that, you know, it's like how kids talk about baseball players. That's how we talk about albums. We're just trying to postpone mortality. They need that to fill some kind of void that they have. The search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interfucking rough. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia-Hell, and today we have a returning guest here from, I guess now you're in Australia while you're waiting mm-hmm. for the upcoming shows. We have Jack Bates. Jack, welcome back to the show. Nice one, man. Thanks for having us back on again. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Because let's just get to it because you have Spirits on Fire Tour under your belt the Mexico City World is a Vampire show, and then you're about to start the Australian leg of the World is a Vampire tour. How does that feel? How are you feeling? Because it feels like there's not too much time between those. Um, no, we've, we've had a bit of time. I think there was about, what, maybe uh, three months in between uh, the end of the big tour in Mexico. So it was enough right. time to enough to time decompress. To decompress and, uh, just when you get used to being at home again, then you go in. So, yeah. But no, it's been it's been good. It was a great tour, and uh, Mexico was great too. Uh, I got I got sick right after it, which has been a bit of a bummer. <laughs> but, oh no! Um, Did you have what a, James had last time when y'all played Mexico? I don't know what it was, but it was unpleasant. We'll leave it at that. So oh, it was no. the last <laughs> the last couple of days have just been the first time where I've feel normal again, which yeah. is nice. But it was yeah. worth it because it was such a great gig. So. Yeah, it was. You're all rehydrated. How did that feel? Because we saw you a little bit after the Hollywood Bowl show, and we can we can't even fathom what that feels like for finishing a whole tour and then finishing a massive show at the Hollywood Bowl, and then that after that decompression after all of that. How are you feeling at the, at that moment? It's weird because a lot of the times. I don't know whether they do it on purpose, but the last gig of the tour is always somewhere really like prestigious and cool that you're looking forward to playing. Mm-hmm. You have this excitement about playing at the Hollywood Bowl, obviously, but then you have this sort of feeling like, oh, it's the last gig of the tour. And it was such a fun tour that you don't want it to end. So that day is kind of really weird. It feels like last day of school or something. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've got to go and say bye to everybody and I've got to make sure I don't just leave, you know, because I don't want to be a dick to these people that I've been living with for the past three months or whatever. Yeah. So it, it's, it is kind of weird. You have to, you have to make sure you say bye to everyone and, you know, but yeah, it's sad to end the tour to me anyway. I think sometimes people feel ready to go home after that long in a bus or flying around yeah. or, you know, it is, it is, it is hard work touring, but for me, it's always mainly sadness, but then it, it's, it was such a great show that, you know, you soon forget about that. I hear a lot about that from musicians about uh post tour blues, you know, that you get because you're so used to that rhythm after a certain amount of time. How mm-hmm. do you deal with that? How do you deal with that kind of like come down after a big tour like that? It is weird. Cause you just get so used to being in a routine and then all of a sudden there's no routine and there's something <laughs> and then for us it was only what three months after that tour but sometimes it can be longer so you just have to make sure you don't i mean the easy trap to fall into is staying in bed till midday every day and eating oh, yeah. takeaway you know so it's like <laughs> you just gotta try and make sure you don't fall into that trap but then yeah it's usually all right i've you know i got i got plenty of stuff going on that i can 
occupy my time with and then uh after straight after the hollywood bowl i actually came to australia because i got family down here mm-hmm. so pretty much for that whole gap just before mexico i was down here and then uh after mexico i just said well the next dates are there so i'll just go back <laughs> so <laughs> so here i am so i've been in australia a lot for the last few months which has been great nice and what do you do to kind of battle those post-tour blues like you said that you kind of keep yourself busy what's your trick i don't know man just you know i, I mean I, I do i do so much work for my dad um right i, I mean obviously I, I used to well used to still do i don't know play in his <laughs> band with him um but i do everything else for his for his tours like his merch and his social media and everything right so um, I still have a lot going on because he's just nonstop touring. Like just this morning, I've been finalizing his new T-shirt designs for his next tour that I'm not even going to be on. So I'm still doing, I'm still doing everything. So there's always shit. There's always shit going on. He's it's incredible because we got to see him uh, play when he came through, mm. and Pat and I were both like, "How is he still this energetic?" And he just had this powerful presence the whole time and he was like from start to finish i mean there was a little bit of a um intermission but even with that intermission it's just like boom right back at it uh is that intimidating or the easy answer for me is to say the reason why you can do all that is because i do everything else ah there you go you let the old man rest yeah exactly i'll take care of everything else so it means that you can still go out playing for three hours every night which is what which is all he wants to do really he doesn't want to concern himself with merch or social media or whatever so i'll take care of that if it means that you can uh you can carry on doing what he's doing yeah well that kind of uh ties into a question that one of our listeners had uh by the name of i am abed's lack of name creativity <laughs> okay that's a, that's a mouthful they want to know what were your what was your experience in mexico playing back to back with your father and then followed by smashing pumpkins and how did you feel about your dad closing out the smashing pumpkin show yeah it was it was a fun day there was a lot of talk between me and him in the weeks up to it because we weren't sure whether I was going to be even able to do it just because the way that the promoter had organized the stages and the times, it was literally like as soon as my dad finishes at 11 o'clock, the pumpkins are going to start. So it was like, well, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the whole show. So we figured out a way where I just did the first half, which would then give me enough time to get in a golf cart and scoot around back to the other stage. And um, our friend Paul, who sort of took over from me, um, playing with my dad, who's a, a great bass player, is in a band called The Coral from Liverpool, who's a big band from the UK. And uh, so he he did the second half, I did the first half. So we, we split it between us and uh, it was fun. So I just did uh, half, well, maybe like 35 minutes with my dad. And then I had like 25 minutes to sort of get back over there and get my shit together, get ready for the pumpkins. <laughs> but it was fun. I never thought I'd be able to. I mean, I, I never thought the two bands would be on the same bill. It's just cool yeah. that, that 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 happened. And, you know, doing it at such a big place was amazing. I feel like my dad should probably have been on, on the first stage just because that crowd at the second stage felt kind of dangerous. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it was pretty, <laughs> yeah. It was pretty intense. And um, 
I feel like maybe he should have been on the uh, on the other stage, but it's all good. He, he's you know, he it was packed, which was all you can ask for, really. I mean, there were yeah. some people complaining that they were at the back and couldn't hear anything, but I think that's because that area just wasn't designed for that many people. Because in essence, it's the second stage or whatever. Yeah, I think it was a it was a main stage crowd at the second stage, so it was it was pretty full on. But it was a lot of fun, and then um, obviously, like since he's since he's there, you know, Billy was like, "Well, we should we should ask him to to get up." But this is you know this is like two or three days before um, the show, so I I said, "Well, knowing my dad, I'm like, well, unless we do one of his, he's gonna yeah. be like, no, it's too <laughs> short notice because you you know you can't rehearse, you can't practice." Yeah. But then the problem was obviously like my dad was playing an hour long set of a lot of bangers and you, you don't want to pick a song that he's just played yeah so we were trying to find we were looking through the back catalog trying to find a song that he hadn't played that everyone would still know yeah and uh so we chose no love loss which is a good one especially because the bass on that is iconic as well it's one of my favorites i was like so excited to see that yeah, it's fun. I think have you, have you seen the movie Control? Yeah, my favorite yeah. part is when he's coming out of exactly. his flat and when he's he comes got the out of his jacket house with the jacket and and that song's playing. I think yeah. So I was like, no, everyone's going to know it from that cuz Absolutely. So it was good. It, it, we were sort of thinking it was either going to be that or Dead Souls and we chose that cuz it was a bit more uppy, I think. Um, yeah. So it was fun and um you could you could tell in places that we hadn't rehearsed it. But it was fun. We got away with it. <laughs> it sounded great to me, and it was. I think yeah. just the excitement of hearing it and having him uh, be on stage with y'all was just really cool to see. Uh, and it's one of my favorite songs. This is the thing, like what people don't realize. Obviously, we don't have any amps on stage, and mm-hmm. um, we're all wearing in-ear monitors. And so, if you stand on our stage, all you can hear is drums. And um, for my dad, he's like the total opposite. Is the old school like all the amps on stage everything yeah. full blast you know big wedges in front of him so he can hear everything so while it seems like a great idea it's like oh let's get your dad up and then it gets to that point where you're like oh shit that means we need to bring an amp out and we need oh. to <laughs> and so it just messes with everyone's uh sound and yeah. i think he was i think he was struggling to to start hear certain things but we pulled it off it was okay i think we got yeah. away with it it was fun you definitely got away with it, so to speak, uh, because it, it sounded great and everybody was sharing it online, being like, can you believe this? Yeah, uh, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so uh, we have some other questions from listeners, if you don't mind uh, yeah, man. answering some of these. So Jamie R. asks, I think Jack named Eric Avery as one of his favorite bassists in an earlier interview on the cast. So I'd love to hear about his experience touring with him and the rest of Jane's Addiction. What did they learn from or about each other and any funny stories from the tour? Yeah, Eric's my favorite bass player ever. Just it's always been that way. And obviously, like I've seen Jane's addiction 
a bunch of times probably what the first time was maybe 2009 and that was the original lineup on that tour they did with Nine Inch Nails and it was yeah, incredible too yeah and every time I saw him after that Eric wasn't there and I mean they they were still great shows you know Chris Cheney's an amazing bass player and the shows were still always great but there's just something that happens to that band when Eric's there that you just can't explain and yeah it was just like wow getting to watch him play every night was amazing and i i, I kind of knew him a little bit before you know we like we hung out a couple times and we'd done a podcast together with my dad years back and uh so i sort of knew him and we sort of text on enough about man united because he follows my team which is interesting i don't yeah. know <laughs> i don't know how but he, he watches all the united games so we sort of text about football and shit but this is the first time I've sort of toured with him, obviously, and it was amazing to to watch him play. And um, they they were amazing every night. I gotta say, like, it, I was I remember I can't remember where the first gig was. I think it was somewhere in Texas, and um, I was watching it like, wow, we gotta follow this, like, because they were just they were <laughs> just smashing it, and it was like, oh my god. But then it's like you know that's that's why it was just such a great tour because both bands were at the top of the game and sounded great. Yeah, and. Um, but they, they were great. I mean, and especially considering that they were missing such an important piece to the puzzle in, in Dave Navarro, who wasn't able to do the tour. Yeah. Um, all credit to Troy Van Leeuwen because he came in and did an incredible job. And um, yeah. It, wow. Yeah. He, he, they just, they, they, they absolutely smashed it. I got to say there's, and I think um, Perry got some kind of injury halfway through the tour and they missed some shows and we really yeah. missed it um it was it was like weird. it was like just different vibe like where is everybody like our lady peace came in in canada and did an amazing job at really short notice which is amazing yeah um but it, it, when james came when james came back it was like all right okay we're back you know yeah <laughs> yeah the shows i saw i saw two shows on the tour and I, i'm a jane's addiction fan so i was like really excited to see them again because last time i saw them was with nine inch nails uh, oh wow! On that tour and it was incredible. So you then. only go, you only go when Eric's there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I refuse otherwise. Uh, <laughs> no, but Troy, I'm a big fan of Troy's. You know, I was, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the band Failure, and he was part mm -hmm. of Failure for a while, and then of course a Perfect Circle, and mm -hmm. just all the pro Queens of the Stone Age, all the shit that he's a part of. He's just an incredible guitar player. So mm -hmm. when I saw that, of course, you know, you're gonna want Dave there, but. If somebody's going to fill in, you're going to want it somebody like him because he can handle. No, yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, and I, I, from what I can gather, he didn't have a lot of time to prepare either because he was, I think he was on tour with the Damned, like right up until oh, wow. maybe two or That's three weeks right. before the this tour started. So considering that they didn't have a lot of time, um, and it, you know, you wouldn't have known that. It felt like they'd been playing together for years. He was really, really did a great job, and. Um, and now, obviously, they're playing with Josh Klinghoffer. Yeah. Because Troy's gone back to the Queens, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, and I've, so I'm looking forward to seeing that configuration too when they, when they get down here to Australia. I've, my, my friend saw them play at the Hollywood Palladium maybe last week and said it was great again. So I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing them again. I had to miss that one. Uh, but I did go see Jeff over at the Viper Room. Uh, which yeah, with fun. Michelangelo. Hell, hell yeah. It was such a, yeah. I'd never been to the Viper Room and it's one of those things where I'm trying to, it's I'm got like, a vibe. I, live, 
I'm I'm in LA. I need to live in LA. And one of my goals is to visit all the clubs that still exist on the strip. Mm-hmm. And that was a good excuse for me to visit the Viper Room. And uh yeah, it was definitely an experience. And it it's was got a vibe, like, that place for sure. Oh yeah. Surprising you you live in LA and you've never been there. No, because it's so far from me too. And like right. going to West Hollywood or even just Hollywood in general is just such a pain in the ass. But um, I was like, no, I'm going to take a car. I'm going to go down there. This will give me a good excuse. And it was it was rad. It was really oh, awesome. cool. Yeah, Jeff was playing with Michelangelo for sure. Yeah, they yeah, they played um, Helter Skelter. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. And then and I think it was Chicago, or Milwaukee, one of those shows where Michelangelo came and played. Yeah. Um, Silverfuck. And it's, it's always so fun because it's just his guitar playing is just so over the top that he's a you maniac. Can tell, like even if people don't know exactly who he is like they definitely know who he is by the end of watching him play a solo and he's, and he's the nicest guy as well he's so nice to have around so it's, it's always fun to bring him up yeah he brought out the double neck guitar and nice. was doing all the tricks on that and i was just blown away well that was funny because when he when he showed up in milwaukee i remember saying to him i was like where's the double guitar he's like well you know it's not really my show i don't feel like you know i don't want it i'm like dude that's what we want right yeah that's your <laughs> trademark yeah so, so hopefully next time we'll get him to bring the double neck that's awesome um yeah and like with people like troy like i feel like um kind of to bring up troy again you said he had such a short amount of time to learn all those songs there are certain cats in the music industry that just like they're like almost like the wrecking crew back in the sixties or so you just call them up and they're like, yep, I'll learn, you know, 60 songs in two days. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. it. And it's just kind of mind blowing to me. Cause I was like, how do you do that? And even like, I mean, what kind of preparation goes into, because I know that the shows were, um, world is a vampire didn't deviate too, too much from the spirits on fire tour, but there is still, you have autumn tracks that you're playing now. And mm-hmm. what goes into, I think I remember you saying last time that you're listening to the track and just kind of playing along to that, just literally the recorded stuff. That's pretty much it. Yeah. For me, that's pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, well, it's a lot easier now that the tracks are out Yeah, <laughs> and I can, you know, I, li- I literally just make a Spotify playlist of the set list and just play, play through it once a day for maybe yeah. two, two or three weeks up to the first rehearsal. So I don't look like a chump when I get to rehearsals. <laughs> so it's a lot easier now the tracks are out and i can i can play with them whereas before i was having to mess around with top secret usb sticks and you know download links from that had to be deleted after 10 minutes or something you know it's just (laughs) yeah the the lens you go to to try and stop things leaking Um, yeah so it's a lot easier now that everything's out so yeah i think i think we only had maybe uh four new ones on top of what we were doing um on the last tour so um he usually sends a set list maybe like four to six weeks before the first rehearsal so we've got plenty of time to that's good yeah get our shit together so i'm just waiting at the moment to see if anything's going to change for australia i'm sure i'll find out pretty soon i've got to say thank you to uh yamaha australia because they're lending me a base for while i'm here so i'm just nice I, i think it should be here tomorrow so i'll be able to do some practicing but i've got to give it back and i will give it back i promise sure (laughs) (laughs) uh well does billy i have a question that maybe this is a stupid question but does billy give you some kind of indication of like 
uh, a sheet of like you know what you have to play like music or he's just like here's the song figure it out no yeah yeah just these are the songs go figure it out and then wow. you know I'm, I've, I've got pretty good at um you got a good ear figuring for it. it out I, I feel like after after eight years of learning his songs i can sort of feel how he plays the bass because he writes all the bass parts yeah and then the advantage is if, if i don't know something i can just ask him <laughs> yeah i was about to say is there ever a, a point where you're in rehearsal and you're playing he's like no that's that's not it it's mm-hmm. this a, a few times yeah you know but that's that's great i mean that's what yeah. you want so you know if i'm doing it wrong tell me right um but most of the time i feel like i can get it and and um a lot of the times if, if you're struggling you can you can sort of ask uh howard uh, the engineer to send <laughs> just the just the bass and the drums yeah which is that makes things a lot easier to to sort of pick out and make sure you're doing things exactly as they should be yeah um so and it's always fun to play new ones and i really i really like the new album and the ones that the ones that he chose from it to to play in mexico were the ones that i was kind of hoping for so that was good yeah too. i was gonna ask what out of those four songs uh which so far has been your favorite to play or maybe most challenging to play what what what's the joy and playing some of these new songs well the best part is just for the fans to, to get excited you know because it's because whenever you whenever you play something that's like a live debut you know that's that is exciting in itself for for yeah. us and the crowd because there's a high risk for um accidents <laughs> yeah <laughs> so you got to really concentrate and certainly i'm just speaking for myself there so i just got to really concentrate and um but no it's been good i mean the good and the good and goodbye was a fun one to play. It's quite difficult yeah. to learn. There's a lot of it's a lot of parts. It's it's interesting because when when you when you learn these songs and you're trying to figure out, you sort of have to think, well, if I was a conventional bass player, maybe that would be how I would play it. But then mm-hmm. when you actually listen to it, like that's not how he's playing it. Yeah. I guess because, you know, he's you know naturally a guitar player so it's almost like playing a guitar kind of riff on the bass which can make things a bit more difficult sometimes um i've certainly never played a lot of that style of i don't know like hammer-ons and i don't want to get too technical for people who don't play but it's it's like that that song in particular is not a conventional bass line and it's it's doing something completely are completely different to what all three guitars are doing as well oh wow yeah um like a lot you know a lot of the times the bass will follow the guitar and sort of be in the same ballpark but just, yeah. just, for some reason that song all three of all four of us are playing completely different things but it sort of works together which is cool yeah. and it's a fun song to play so and it's only going to get better the more we play it so absolutely hopefully it will hopefully it will stay in for uh, australia because i really enjoyed that one think you're going to add any more I mean, you probably can't say anything but uh eventually i assume and you don't have to I would assume so yeah yeah i mean because i i assume you're going to be touring more i know billy said on the podcast that there's probably going to be north america again uh towards the end of the year because there's some really good songs on there that i'm hoping to hear live myself mm. yeah no it was it's difficult and obviously on the uh on the track like for that song for example good and goodbye 
there's a lot of keyboards and synth and when yeah. we when we played it live we didn't have any of that so that's the uh challenge for jeff and james i think to sort of add those atmospheric kind of what the keyboard would be doing but on yeah. guitar. so it kind of changes the vibe of the song as well but in a in a nice way yeah yeah it was it's fun and and jimmy's great on that song as well so it's just fun from a rhythm section point of view to play that one and i'm sure that as we go on more will be added because there's 33 of them you know yeah so something's got yeah <laughs> there's gonna be there's, eventually there's gonna be more coming hopefully so we'll see so i know when uh talking to other fans one of the exciting things about hearing songs from autumn or seer is that very fact is how you adapt that to stage because you don't have all mm. the studio tricks and what I love about it is that you get to hear these parts that maybe you didn't hear in the recording and it adds a new dimension to the songs. And I know there are some fans who actually like the live versions better than, you know, the recorded ones, but not in a way mm -hmm. that's like shitty, but like being like, Oh, this is so cool. It has this dynamic life to it. That's part of the fun of, of playing new songs live for the first time, because, you know, I can watch the four of those guys discuss what doesn't work from the record live and what might work and what might make it better you know like song like empires has got a huge guitar solo on the end live that yeah. isn't on the record and i think that was just because you know to start a show it was just like a big featured moment to kick off the end of the first song that maybe wouldn't have worked in the sort of you know because this album is designed to be listened to you know it, yeah. not just pick tracks from but when you do start picking tracks to make a set list, you know, maybe that it's just a feel thing. Oh, that might be a good spot to hit a good solo and get the crowd going, you know, because yeah. we've been opening with that song. So it's interesting to, to sort of see the logic behind the changes that they do make. Yeah. I have another question from a listener from mm -hmm. Dean Schaefer who asks, now that the band is embarking on a world tour, I'm curious how the fans are similar or different in different cities slash countries, et cetera. Not asking where the fans are better, just mm. curious whether he's noticing anything interesting about pumpkin heads around the world. Yeah, it is, it is different everywhere you go. I mean, Mexico, and I know this from, from touring with my dad's band, we, I must have played, God, 10 or 12 times in Mexico with my dad's band, and the crowd is so young. Just there's something about, you know, rock music that kids are still getting into. Like my dad can't, my dad, you know, my dad's 67 and he can't believe it when he goes to Mexico City and, you know, the entire front 25 or 30 rows are all 16 and under. And they all know the words to Joy Division songs and they're all wearing the Unknown Pleasures t-shirt. You know, it is. And it's right. like that with the pumpkins, you know, the, the front row in Mexico is just all kids, which is great, you know, because that means the, the, the bands are reaching younger generations because the music's timeless isn't it so it's, it makes yeah. total sense that kids would get into it but that's not always the case in in you know maybe in certain states of america where you'll think like oh this is kind of an older crowd different vibe doesn't mean you know like like the guy says it doesn't mean one crowd's better than the other yeah it's just maybe a different vibe sometimes and um it, so you do get a kind of broad church of uh of, of fans everywhere you go and i mean mexico there's some there's something intense about playing in mexico and mexican crowds it, is, it just they just seem to ramp it up a, a few notches they're just so passionate and loud i mean i was watching i mean it's, and it's not just for not just for us i mean i was watching interpol play right before the pumpkins and the crowd was like louder than the pa it was just mad it is 
and it, it, it's so it's just, I don't know. There's just something about Mexico. It is one of the best places to play in the world for sure. I was about to say because I know Interpol is massive in Mexico City, especially, mm-hmm. and they go there a lot. And mm-hmm. I wonder, was that part of the reason of being? I know you. I don't know if you know about the inner workings of who you know was part of the festival but i assumed when i saw it was mexico city and interpol was on that bill i was like yeah that makes perfect sense because they're massive there yeah well it's one it's one of those things of you, you know when you when you're booking uh your own festival you can sort of decide what you want to do and obviously yeah. like i think when it came to interpol it's like well here's a great band that we want to play with and we all like i mean i love interpol but i mean me too yeah Carlos Dengler on those first three albums, the bass playing is up there with anything that I've ever heard. And I know he's not there anymore, but I can still, still reminisce yeah. about the great bass lines. I love that band. And so you can sort of be like, well, here's a band that we like and we want to play with. And they just happen to be huge in Mexico, which is only going to help. And it's a, it's a similar thing with my dad because like, yeah, you know, he's my dad. So it's cool to get him on with me. But his biggest market in the world as well is Mexico City. The biggest ever headlines show that he's played since since sort of going solo after leaving New York, it was in Mexico City in 2016, something like that. So it's it, it's it's sort of a mix of you know people that you want to play with, but also people that are going to sell tickets in Mexico because right. that's what it's all about. Because it, it was a big arena, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and I think I think there was some bands on that lineup too that had never played in Mexico before. I'm not sure. I think someone said Turnstile had never been there. I might be wow. wrong. I bet they went over really great there. Oh, it was ridiculous. The energy of that band was outrageous. And I think it's, it's um, exhausting to watch them sometimes, just how much yeah. energy they exude. Yeah, it was absolutely mental. And I, I, I really loved watching them. They were incredible. I, I remember yeah. saying, like, I'm glad we don't go on directly after these guys because <laughs> the, the energy was like, wow. Um, they're going to be a huge band for a long time, I think. And um, I think Chelsea Wolf and never played in Mexico so people were really excited to watch her as well and so so it was a fun mix of you know people that are massive in Mexico but also people that maybe hadn't been there and you know so so there's a lot that goes into it I mean it was cool because it's just such an ambitious thing to have your own festival because ultimately you know the the pumpkins are the headliner and the pumpkins are kind of curating the thing so yeah there's a lot of responsibility on the pumpkins for this thing to go well but obviously, a, a lot of it is down to the supporting lineup too, which plays a big part. I mean, I went to uh, the Pearl Jam 20 festival that they did yes. in 2011. And, you know, that was like Mud Honey, The Strokes, Queens of Stone Age, Pearl Jam, like Chris Cornell. It was it was great. And it wow. was sort of like, it was feeling like, you know, everyone's here to celebrate the main acts, but also like, they booked an incredible supporting lineup, which makes it a great event for for fans. You know, it's going to be the same in Australia too. And it, Jane's Addiction I haven't been to Australia for a long time. Yeah, and um, neither of the Pumpkins at this point. And then you've got Amal and the Sniffers on the support who are just blowing up in Australia. So it's yeah. just going to be really good, a really good um, lineup for Australia too. So I'm sure as they as they keep taking it around the world, then we'll keep getting these sort of cool bills. And it's it just it's just a good vibe. The, back, the backstage vibe at Mexico, especially with the wrestlers too, it was just like a party vibe. It was fun. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Did you get to catch any bands that you hadn't seen before that you were uh, kind of blown away by, or like you had fun watching? 
Turnstile would be the one. I've never seen yeah. him before. I, I only really know that, that last album. And straight away, I was like, oh, I need to go listen to everything because it really was incredible. There's a lot of people talking about how great that set was after. And um, I really enjoyed watching Deaf Heaven as well. Oh, yeah. Me and Jeff, me and Jeff went out into the into the main sort of arena to watch to watch Deaf Heaven from out front. And that was cool. I'd never seen them before. And I mean, I've seen Interpol loads of times, but I never get bored of seeing them. It really, it really was a great, a great lineup. I also caught a bit of the warning, which is a rock band from Mexico. Yeah. And um, because they were playing on the stage that my dad was on right before. And they were great as well. Really amazing, fun vibe and a great, really tight band. So it was it was good. So I mean, I was there all day. I like to get there early and hang out and watch a lot of bands. And I caught all the wrestling as well. So I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Nice. Uh, well, speaking of the World is a Vampire tour and other locations, our listener Mark Plant asked, can you get the pumpkins to come across the pond for the British fans? <laughs> I wish it was up to me. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I'm sure it will happen. I just okay. don't know when. Uh, but, it, it, you know, at this point, it's it's like it, it can't not happen. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to happen, and I believe it will happen. So yeah. you just got to will it into existence. We'll keep our fingers crossed. So with this Australian tour coming up, what are your expectations for it? Because have you played with the pumpkins in Australia before? No, 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 no. The the last time, the last time they were here and I know exactly when it was, it was really early 2015 because I was here at the same time on tour with my dad Mm -hmm. and, um, me and Paul, my dad's drummer had a day off and we were in Tasmania and the pumpkins were playing in Melbourne. So we flew to Melbourne to watch the pumpkins that night. And that was when um, Brad Wilk was playing drums and Mark Starmer was on bass. It was right. that kind of era. Yeah. They're monuments. Yeah. Yeah. So it must have been either really late 2014 or very early 2015. And um, so I think that was the last tour that happened before, before the first one that I did, maybe. Mm-hmm. So I did see one of those shows and it was great. Um, so yeah, this is this will be my first time playing it with with the pumpkins. Yeah, what are you uh, what are you looking forward to with this tour, particularly because Australia is such a different beast from these other places. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's always fun to play to play somewhere new for the first time. You know, I've been here, I've been in many times with my dad's band, but never played it with the pumpkins. So it's going to be interesting. You know, like going back to that the earlier question about different audiences around the world it'll just be interesting to see what what australia is like for for this band you know and i'm sure it's going to be great i'm sure it's going to be loud and appreciative because it's a long way to to come down here which i think is why it's so difficult sometimes um and probably why it's been such a long time because it's just not an easy place to bring all that shit to to do a tour so it's just everyone's really happy to be coming back. Everyone's really excited from from our side. So I'm sure yeah. it'll be the same from 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 the fans. Absolutely, so it's gonna be cool. I mean, I know that there's some pissed off um, people that are like, "Oh, you're not coming to Perth. You're not coming to New Zealand." Yeah. You know, it's just whatever. It, it's sad, and obviously we want to be going everywhere, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And this is what I spend I spend hours arguing with people <laughs> on, on my dad's. Uh, social media is like oh you guys you skip new orleans it's like we don't skip anywhere we just sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work out it's not like my dad is literally going look book 26 dates in america but i don't want to go to new orleans you know it's right. just, 
but people kind of take it personally sometimes just because you know emotional you, you're upset you want to see your favorite band so we understand but it's just sometimes it doesn't work out so we've still got 10 shows down here and it's going to be a really fun tour everyone's very excited yeah we were just talking to um the guy who runs osphoria and we mm-hmm. were discussing about like what it is about australian fans and the pumpkins because it seems like a very big market for the pumpkins where the fans are also very passionate there about the pumpkins and it's just something that we see with our listeners we have a lot of australian listeners if you look at our stats Mm -hmm. it's one of the top uh countries that listen to our our podcast so it's it's really cool yeah i think i think <laughs> you're gonna be in for uh some really good crowd so i'm really excited i think so for y'all. i mean and you know again just it's such a great day of music and um so it's it's gonna be a lot of fun i've never seen amal and the sniffers before but i've heard a lot about those live shows and so especially like um i think similar to the sort of vibe that turnstile have just energy and yeah. chaos <laughs> one of our so. listeners turned us on to them because uh, mm-hmm. they they plugged them at the end of um one of the episodes and I, I checked them out and they were fantastic yeah lots it, of energy yeah it seems like a lot of fun live so i think that plus jane's plus pumpkins and there's other bands on team from australia so it's going to be a fun day of of music so it's going to be it's going to be exciting i'm looking forward to it i mean i, I wish there was 25 gigs but to have 10 yeah. down here is great so well t- touring is different too i'm sure you can speak to this after covid also it's probably made you hear a lot of stories from a lot of smaller bands but even the bigger bands who are just like it's kind of um impossible it's kind of a bust sometimes financially and you're doing it more for the love and just because you can't do anything else. So it's like, you have to be in front of an audience. So yeah. I'm sure that has something to do with it as well as like, well, we can't do these dates because of this or this or that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the world is different now. Yeah. That's, that's the simple way of explaining it. The, the touring world of 2023 is completely different to the touring world of 2019, which is like mm-hmm. now when you look back, that's like the glory days. Yeah. And <laughs> it's just everything's so expensive. Just, you know, flights, accommodation, freight, shipping. I think, you know, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm spitballing there off the top of my head, but I would assume, you know, costs are probably just being honest. The reason why that we haven't brought this to Europe yet, just because it's so expensive touring in Europe at the moment. And I know that from being involved with the booking of my dad's shows, even at a smaller level, which is, you know, his shows are at a smaller level than what the pumpkins will be playing, but the problems that you face are exactly the same. Just the, just, you know, just the, you know, the war in Ukraine has, has raised prices of everything in Europe yeah. and the energy crisis at the moment, this just, it's just, everything is super expensive. So it's just not an easy place to tour at the moment. Yeah. So I'm sure as things continue to improve, then you know, we'll, we'll get to all these places, but it might just take a while to, to figure it all out. Cause as I said, the, the world is, is different now, you know, yeah. that was a, it was a global changing event, which people are still recovering from now. Absolutely. And, you know, because, you know, to, at the moment, maybe the, the naive things think is COVID's over now, it's finished, it's gone, which, you know, I understand from a certain aspect, you know, things are obviously a lot better now than they were three years ago, but the lingering effects of it and maybe the effects that it has on things that you don't think about 
yeah they're still there in a big way certainly for our industry so we're still sort of getting back on our feet yeah and, you know there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems for touring at the moment but we're, we're getting there we're getting back to normal which is great so you're saying Europe in uh, three years and there'll be five um, albums that Billy will finish by then. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. Yeah. Let's hope so. I'll keep my fingers crossed for that. Um, well, we have a couple of other questions, if you don't mind. Uh, sure. These are kind of a little bit more open-ended. Uh, mm -hmm. Currently, what are some of your favorite pumpkin tracks to play live and why? That's from James Puckett. You know what? It was interesting because we were learning these new songs from from the latest album and moss was one of the songs that was on the list so i started playing it at home and it's kind of got it's got like this kind of synth bass line that's yeah. basically drives the whole track it's one of my favorite and, tracks off the album right me too and then so when we came to play it it just didn't work with me playing the bass it just didn't sound right uh-huh so there's no bass on that track so i wasn't even playing on it but that was my favorite part of the set it's oh, wow. just such a great song and listening yeah. to them play it was great so I, that would be up there even though i wasn't even playing on it it was just fun because that's that's probably my favorite one off, off off the new album um and as i said before like anytime you get to play anything new is a challenge and it's exciting so good and goodbye was great space age is a really really good song yeah too. and i'm still really in obviously that like, we've been playing empires and beguiled for a few months now but they're such great live tracks that they're just a lot of fun to play and you brought back muzzle right yeah and yeah how was yeah, that we've, I, I think we've not played that since the shiny tour so maybe about like five years yeah um so that was great to, to bring that one back and um there's a few more that i'm hoping will will reappear soon and i, I you know they will he, yeah. he likes to keep it fresh and it's it's fun so it's 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 gonna be interesting to see obviously i don't know yet so I'm, i can't give anything away but it'd be interesting yeah. to see what if anything changes for uh for the next round can't wait to see we'll be following on setlist.fm mm -hmm. as the show exactly. goes on and seeing it being inaccurate and being like i'll just check it the next day it'll be fixed mm -hmm. by then <laughs> um eves says please ask jack about once in a lifetime it's <laughs> open-ended so feelings on once in a lifetime it's interesting because I'd I'd never heard the Pumpkins cover of that song. Mm -hmm. I don't. I guess you know I I didn't see the Pumpkins in two thousand when they were playing that because I was too young, and obviously I don't think they'd played it since then until we started playing it again. So I just wasn't aware of that cover. It wasn't on my radar, mm -hmm. and it was actually uh, we were. What tour was it for? It was Rock Invasion tour, wasn't it? In sort of spring last year, yeah. and there was a spot in the set where they were they were saying like we should do something really heavy at this point you know this this is a point in the set where we could sort of take a turn and do something crazy yeah and um so we i can't remember what we what we were trying in that spot we tried a few a few different ones and it was actually jeff that said why don't we why don't we try and do once in a lifetime because i guess he remembers it from from back then and enjoyed it and um so it was his idea i think to bring it back and it works so well because you can sort of tell like as soon as you detune the guitars there's just something the vibe changes oh yeah and everything just gets dark and moody and heavy you know the songs in c sharp which is like i was about to ask yeah if you're yeah. in c or if it's d yeah 
yeah c c sharp standard for that song and um it's um it's funny because it's just as soon as it starts everyone's like what the fuck is this but then as soon as he's as soon as he says that first line because it's so iconic absolutely from the top from the talking heads everyone's like oh shit no way they're doing like a mad cover of uh once in a lifetime it, it was absolutely hilarious because there's a guy on youtube right and he's called michael palmisano and he does like he's a guitar teacher that reacts to oh yeah things that people send him right so during the tour i think we were in like quebec or something I, I saw this video and it has it, it's amazing it's like a 25 minute video of him watching us playing once in a lifetime and he just has his mind blown in slow motion for 25 minutes by by just the whole vibe and jeff's amazing <laughs> solo and just this whole thing yeah so i really would recommend that people go and watch it and i got in touch with the guy as well because i said like look i've just showed this video to all the band and we fucking love it so next time we i think he's in baltimore i said next time uh, we're going through i'm going to invite him to a show because we love Amazing. we absolutely love this uh reaction video it was hilarious so people should check it out on on youtube but it's always a it's a fun part of the set for sure i, I really yeah. enjoy playing that one that i mean i love those reaction videos i remember you posting i think on instagram that particular one mm. and uh i love when they're like reaction videos of like guys who usually listen to hip hop and they're hearing Cherub Rock for the first time, or you know they're hearing 1979 mm -hmm. and just our kids react to that. I just love that. What, what I loved so about this one is that the guy's a guitar teacher, so he knows all about the the, the tricks technical. and techniques of of guitar, and yeah. he just can't get his head around what is going on <laughs> in this song. It really is a funny video, so people should people should check that out if they haven't seen it. We we love yeah. it. My, I loved hearing that. I saw it in 2000 uh, during the, the Machina tour. Mm. And something about, again, I, I, not to kiss your ass even more, but I really do feel like the band in the past, when we've seen the, you guys in the past year, year and a half now, mm. like the sound, it's just the way that your bass sounds and something that's rounding it out in a particular way but especially that song, everybody just seems to just be in the pocket and yeah. to look around. I remember Pat and I at the uh, Beach Life Festival last year, mm. we we knew it was coming and we were like, all right, let's kind of check out the crowd. Because some of the crowd, you know, it's, it's kind of scattered and like some people are into the band. Some people are just there to be seen and mm -hmm. whatever they're talking. And the people who were talking stopped. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like looking up, and you could just—I love looking around during that song and just watching yeah. people with their mouth open, being like, oh, "It's definitely a—it's definitely a moment." And I'm a—I'm a massive Talking Heads fan anyway, mm -hmm. so just even if it's completely different to the original, it's just fun to be doing a, a Talking Heads song. I love one of the best shows we've ever seen was David Byrne um, when he did American Utopia tour oh, in right. Manchester, yeah. and he played all the talking head songs that you want it was amazing i mean i just saw yesterday that they've they're re they've remastered stop making sense and mm -hmm. they're putting it out in cinemas for for this year as like a, a you know a re-release yep. and as part of the promo video he's got the big suit on again yeah like now he's getting it from man. the cleaners yeah <laughs> amazing i had chills watching that it was incredible so yeah. it's just fun i'd love i would honestly i would love to know what what david byrne thinks of, thinks of the cover i'd be just interested to see what he would make of it Oh yeah, Davey and I are friends. I'll just call him up. I'll ask. <laughs> I think he'd like it just because it's so mad. 
I think so too. He seems like the kind of guy I, it's one of those like six degrees of separation where I have friends who have met him or they mm -hmm. have worked with him and they say that he's, he's, he's very, um, I don't want to say particular, but he, he's, a, he's a very eccentric mm -hmm. where you can't, he's just very like intense in a very quiet way, yeah. but he's super nice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what I would do if I ever met him. He's one of those guys where it's like my wife may, met David Bowie when she worked the coat check at um, oh, wow. a museum in New York. Right. And he asked, like he spent time and he like held her hand and was like, what do you do? And you know, like all this stuff. And then That's cool, she was yeah. like, she was just like, I, that was the greatest moment in my entire life. And it's like, mm -hmm. I don't know what I would do with certain musicians or, or heroes of mine that you meet like that, but because he seems like an alien. Mm. You know what I well, mean? What, like, what, what's interesting, it, the, the first time, you know, obviously I've, I'd met Eric Avery before a few times and, and we texted and, you know, hung out a little bit. But when, it, when, when I first saw him, wherever the first show was, Texas, the first thing he said was he was really looking forward to seeing Once in a Lifetime. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it all, it all links back, yeah. Yeah. It's so, have you ever had an encounter like that? I mean, I'm sure you have between touring with your dad and touring with the Pumpkins where, because I know like what you saw me and Pat backstage and we were just kind of like, let's mm -hmm. leave everybody alone. We're grateful yeah. to be here, but let's try to like, we were very much like, we don't want to bother anybody. We're grateful. Let's uh, say our hellos and goodbyes. But it, it was there, has there been a moment when you're touring with either your dad's band or the Pumpkins that you were like, holy shit, I can't believe I'm talking to this person or seeing this person here? Yeah, a few times, yeah. I, I remember, uh, I mean, in 2005, New Order did a massive European tour because the, the last album that my dad played on it had just come out and um i went all around europe just hanging out with him at his shows yeah and i remember we were playing at in barcelona i think it was i don't think it was primavera festival i think it was maybe sonar or something so someone's one of those other festivals and iggy pop was playing oh my god and um he was just walking around backstage but like you know walking Shirtless, around in that I, weird I'm sure. fucking yeah. way that he walks and I, and I said to my dad, like, we got to go. We got to go and say, and he's like, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't. Because he loves Ziggy Pop. So me and one of the crew guys went to meet him and my dad was too scared. So that, that was a fun one. And now, obviously, he's like, oh, one of, one of my remaining heroes that I want to work with is Ziggy Pop. I'm like, well, if you'd come and met him 20 years right. ago when I did, maybe <laughs> you could have asked him. So there's been a few, yeah, but it's fun. I haven't, to this, to this day, I haven't met anyone that, I sort of admire that hasn't turned out to be a great person. So I know because some people say, oh, you should never meet your heroes, but all yeah. the ones that I've met have been totally cool. So that's great. That's nice. I've had a few uh, moments where I kind of wish I would have probably stayed back. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Like, well, you know, heroes. that can happen. That can happen. Yeah. Uh, but also you have to take it with a huge grain of salt a little bit because you don't know what people are going through that day. And also mm. like, like, especially with like me and Pat, we're like, we were thinking like, they just got done with a massive tour playing this massive show. And it's literally moments after y'all get off stage and there's people just surrounding y'all yes, that chaos. we don't know if they're close friends. We don't know if they're family. We don't know if they're just, Mate, we don't even know that sometimes. <laughs> right. So then it's like, we don't want to be part of that. We yeah, don't want to add to that. 
the Hollywood Bowl after that show was just chaos, man. There's just so yeah. many people backstage. I think I think it maybe didn't help that obviously LA with James is mental as well. So yeah. there was just the backstage of that whole show was just chaos. So it was it was fun, but yeah, you're right. I, I didn't know most of the people were backstage. Well, I have a couple more. I won't keep you too long here. Um, what are you enjoying these days? I don't know. I'm just, you know what? I've really enjoyed, obviously my wife is Australian and mm. uh, the last few months I've been spending a lot of time in Australia, which is, has been amazing. I love it down here. And um, so in general, I've just been enjoying Australia for the last few months and yeah. it's just, it's become one of my favorite places to to be. So I'm really excited to be, to be playing there. And um, we're, me and my wife are also going on a little trip to New Zealand in a few weeks just before the tour starts. So that'll be nice as well. She's never been to Auckland before. Oh wow. So we're gonna do that as well. So I'm I'm enjoying just hanging out down here in the beautiful sunshine rather than freezing my bollocks off in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> um I've never been and I, I was threatening uh before since one of the shows is around my birthday in April. Mm. I was like, maybe that'll be a good excuse to go to Australia finally, but I don't think I can yeah, swing man. the price. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's 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 really expensive, but yeah, it's worth it when you get it. That's all I can tell you. Yeah, um, I got one more question here about how you felt about the differences between the past tours that you've been doing the past year and the thirtieth anniversary shows, or like the so, shiny, yeah. You know, yeah, well, that was a one-off, wasn't it? Which made it even more special in a way. We had all yeah. those guests show up for that one gig. It was absolute chaos. And I, I think most times that we involve my father on, on a stage of it, was, it seems to uh, end in absolute chaos. <laughs> I don't know whether we've got to stop inviting him. But um, <laughs> no, it was fun. I mean, there's, there's there's an element of routine that you get into on tour, which is great because you can you can rely on muscle memory to play all these songs. You don't really have to think that much. Yeah. But then when you have a show like that in the middle of a tour, which is a completely different set list with, you know, and people coming in to play with you, you don't want to ruin their song by playing it badly. So it's, right. it's, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure as well. But yeah, it, I enjoy I enjoy doing the same stuff and getting into the routine of a tour, but then when there's something like that that happens as a one-off, it's very exciting. So it was that was a good show that I will never forget for sure. Yeah, I loved hearing Chino sing on those on Snail and Bodies. Amazing, like, Bodies yeah, is amazing. like made for Chino. It felt like yeah, it was. Uh, he he did he picked those songs. I mean, I think I think they just said to him like, "What do you want to do?" Maybe expecting him to say something a bit less obscure, shall we say? Yeah. And, um, so he picked Snail and Bodies. We we'd we'd played Snail a couple of times, like at that point, and uh, but I'd never played 
buddies before and I haven't played it since. It feels like it was just that one wow. moment where it just worked. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's another one that I, I would love to to play if that ever comes back but um yeah that was that was fun and my friend fred is now playing bass with deftones oh right everything he says about you know just how that band is and he's having a great time playing with them and i saw them in australia in december actually at a festival and they were amazing live super nice guys and he remembered me from from the show that we did in in jersey so that was fun too just they're just dead nice yeah yeah Fred is is having a great time playing with them. I'm really happy for him. He he filled in in my dad's band in 2018 when I had a scheduling clash with Pumpkins. Yeah. So he's another one, of, and he's played with Chelsea Wolf. He's played with a few other bands, and he's another one of those guys like what we were saying about Troy that can learn a lot of songs fast and do a great job. And nice. he's doing that now with with Deftones, so it's great. So I'm really enjoying seeing them now with with my friend up there. It's, it's nice. Nice. One last thing. What are you most looking forward to for the rest of the year? I'm really looking forward to the Australian tour for obvious reasons. I'm looking forward to seeing James play again and touring with all those guys because it was so much fun. I'm glad. I'm so glad that another leg of that has happened because, you know, I really didn't want it to just be a one-off in America. I felt like this needs to travel. So it's great that, that we're doing it in Australia. And um, beyond that, I'm just excited like you are just to see what we're going to end up doing. At the moment, yeah. I haven't got a clue. So I'm just waiting <laughs> for the uh, waiting for the emails to tell me where I need to be and when. And we'll, uh, we'll keep it going. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Sounds good. Well, best of luck. Break a leg on the rest of this tour. And uh, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always around whenever you want absolutely thank you no but seriously thank you so much for i know the fans the listeners really appreciate it to hear from the pumpkins crew and they really love these interviews so uh thank you so much jack no worries man thanks for having us on all right well take care and uh have a good tour all right nice one you too i've seen a few 